good to be with you all this morning. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 today. I want to say a special welcome uh, to each of our guests. Glad to have you all this morning. I know we have several folks traveling, so we've got folks traveling in to be with us today. We have been going through the book of 2 Corinthians together, and we just have a few more weeks left. Um, This week and next week in particular will be kind of around the same theme. And what I think is interesting at this point in 2 Corinthians, as Paul has been writing to this church, now what we're going to see together is at this point in the letter, uh, he kind of takes a turn in his tone a little bit. You know, he gets a little, what you'll find this, uh, this morning in chapter 10 is, he gets a little stronger in his tone, a little, uh, we might say, harsh in his tone. And we're going to see why that is in just a few minutes. But as we come to different parts of 2 Corinthians, particularly uh, this chapter, I think there are several parts uh, in the, the letter, but also this chapter, that can be a little bit difficult for us to apply uh, on the surface as we read it. But I think as we sense Paul's heart and what he's doing and what he's saying here, uh, we'll be able to see some of that application uh, that each of us should think about in our own lives. So I want to begin by reading the passage, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Now I, Paul, myself, appeal to you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble among you in person, but bold towards you when absent. I beg you that when I am present, I will not need to be bold with the confidence by which I plan to challenge certain people who think we're behaving according to the flesh. For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. And we are ready to punish any disobedience once your obedience is complete. Look at what is obvious. If anyone is confident that he belongs to Christ, let him remind himself of this. Just as he belongs to Christ, so do we. For if I boast a little too much about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for tearing you down, I will not be put to shame. I don't want to seem as though I am trying to terrify you with my letters. For it's said, his letters are weighty and powerful, but his physical presence is weak and his public speaking amounts to nothing. Let such a person consider this. What we are in our letters when we are absent We will also be in our actions when we are present. For we don't dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. But in measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves to themselves, they lack understanding. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but according to the measure of the area of ministry that God has assigned to us, which reaches even to you. For we're not overextending ourselves as if we had not reached you, since we have come to you with the gospel of Christ. We're not boasting beyond measure about other people's labors. On the contrary, we have the hope that as your faith increases, our area of ministry will be greatly enlarged, 
so that we may preach the gospel to the regions beyond you without boasting about what has already been done in someone else's area of ministry. So let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it's not the one commending himself who is approved, but the one the Lord commends. Let's pray together. Father, we look to your word this morning and see Paul's heart as he's writing, addressing these false teachers and false accusations, Lord, I pray that every single one of us would consider the ramifications of false teaching that could come our way. Lord, I pray that as we look to this passage and see Paul's heart, that we would develop a heart that is committed to you and your word. Lord, today, as you work with your spirit in each of us, I pray that you would lead us and guide us to the attitudes that we need to have. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Earlier this week, I was uh, going through my email, and I don't know if you're like me, but uh, each and every week, I have tons of email. It kind of gets to the point that it's just, I think I have like 2,000 unread messages. And it's not that uh, it's email that I want to read. A lot of times it's just junk email that I get from all of these subscriptions that I have. But one of the emails that I received this week was from my credit card company. And the, the email was a list of ways that each person signed up with this credit card company that they wanted you to think about protecting yourself from credit card fraud. Now, you know, just like I do, that we live in a world that credit card numbers are stolen, uh, there's a lot of fraudulent activity, a lot of things uh, that you should be uh, on, in the know about. In fact, I had this happen to me not too long ago where uh, on my credit card statement, it said that I had made a pretty large charge to Tupperware. Now, I'm not, you know, I don't buy Tupperware. I don't think we, I don't know, even know, know if we own Tupperware. But certainly, I wasn't buying Tupperware, and so I thought, okay, somebody must have stolen my card. So we called Tupperware about it, and they had no record of this charge, and come to find out that the fraud was done because the individual who had stolen my card ran it through a reader that they had programmed to say Tupperware on the statement, hoping that it would just go by unnoticed. So there are a lot of of fraudulent things that happen, and this company... Uh, who I have my credit card with, was taking it upon themselves to warn their clients to be careful of credit card fraud and how to watch out for these type of things. Now, similarly to how Americans are targeted by credit card scammers, I believe that the American church today is being targeted by a different group of scammers. Now, I'm not talking about credit card fraud. I'm not talking to do anything to do with financial type of scammers. But I believe we are being targeted today by false teachings that are plaguing our society and slowly, carefully creeping in to the American church. Now, what I mean by false teachings are false teachings are are lies or maybe even half-truths, have a hint of truth but not totally true, that get us to stray away from the gospel, that get us to stray away from the path that God has set before us. And Americans, uh, particularly American Christians, many of them are buying in to these false teachings. Now, let me just say first and foremost, as a Southern Baptist church, 
I believe, and I've spoken about this several times, that there are plenty of areas in the Bible that we can agree to disagree on. There are plenty of areas within our Southern Baptist churches that we all agree to disagree. But there are some areas that we cannot disagree on. There are some areas that we have to hold to and cling to because there are some areas that God's Word is very specific about. And so some of the lies that I believe the American church has bought into, and I believe there are a number of them, uh, but some of them are things like, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're devout. There are many, quote-unquote, Christians today who are probably sitting in churches all across America this morning who believe that even if you follow other religions, even if you follow something else, that that is fine and God will be accepting of that and understanding of that because you were devout and really believed it for you. We bought into that lie. I think we bought into the lie Americans have that what God used to call sin that he doesn't call it sin anymore because we've decided in our culture we're not going to call it that. And so we bought into that lie. We bought into the lie that times have changed, so God has changed. And, and we bought into the lie that standing for truth is the same thing as hate speech. And you hear this all uh, around our culture, but you also hear it and spot it in many churches today. The idea of what you want to believe about the Bible is up to you, and if there's part of it that you're just like, nah, I don't know if I buy into that, or I, I feel like that might be different today, that it's okay, it doesn't matter. All of these are ideas and false teachings that people have bought into. And if you're unaware of this, on the surface, you may feel like it's no big deal. Or even if you've started to slip into this mindset a little bit of one of these areas or maybe another area that would be false teaching, you may think, well, what's the big deal about that? But as it happens over and over, like what happens is like dominoes, one false belief hits another one and leads to another one and leads to another one, then ultimately you have an individual or you have a church or you have an American Christian culture that has bought into so many false teachings that now they found themselves in the midst of heresy, beliefs that could actually send someone else to hell. Now, similarly to how my credit card company did me a favor and sounded the alarm and said, you've got to watch out for this, I think we need people, we need pastors, we need church members, church leaders who are watching out for false teachings in our churches, in our homes, and are ready and willing to sound the alarm against false teachings and being protectors of the faith. And this morning, I've entitled the message, Protectors of the Faith, and if you sense an urgency in my voice, I hope that you also can note that Paul's voice, as he was writing, had an urgency to it. At this point in the letter, we're going to see this chapter and next chapter that when it came to the false teachings and false teachers that were within the Corinthian church, he was tired of messing around with it. He was tired of beating around the bush. And I think that church leaders and mature believers should be watchful and willing to protect the church and to protect their families from false teachings that are all in our society. We need godly men and women to be on guard for this and to be protectors of the faith. And as we think about being protectors of the faith, I want to show you in this passage kind of Paul's heart and what he's writing here and different aspects of this. And we're going to look at this as well as uh, next week, what it looks like to, to 
uh, interact with false teachers and those kind of things. But I want to show you first the need for protectors of the faith. When you think about Paul, he was a protector of the faith. In fact, that's why he wrote this letter. That's why he wrote many of the letters of the New Testament, because of the false teachings. They lived in a day and time where they didn't have a New Testament to open up. They had the Old Testament scriptures, and they had the Holy Spirit to lead and guide them. They had the pastors and elders that that the churches had put in place. But because they didn't have God's Word to just open up and read, a lot of times they were having uh, to trust those leaders around them. And there were many leaders who were not trustworthy. And so Paul spent a lot of time writing to these churches, warning them about the leaders they were following, and saying, you got to be careful about these teachings because they're leading you astray and they're leading you to a place that actually opposes Christ. And here in this letter, Paul had had enough of false teachers undermining him and the teachings of the church, and so now he was ready and prepared to take up this battle with them. And we see this in verse 1 and 2. Look at what he says. Remember, this letter was written by more than just Paul, but here at this point, he takes a personal note. Look at what he says. Now I, Paul, myself, appeal to you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble among you in person, but bold towards you when absent. I beg you that when I'm present, I will not need to be bold with the confidence by which I plan to challenge certain people who think we're behaving according to the flesh. So listen, he's saying in this letter, like, I hope it gets through to you, and I hope you'll listen to me, so that way when I actually show up, I don't have to challenge these people in person, because I I plan to do that. But I hope that you will listen to what I'm saying before I get there, and we'll take care of this problem beforehand. So Paul knew that this was a battle that he was going to take up. And let me just say, In our culture today, in our churches today, when it comes to standing for the Lord, some battles are worth taking up. Some battles are worth taking up, and protectors of the faith should know the truth of God's Word and should stand up when we hear false teachings and things that go against God's Word. And so what that means is if false teachings begin to harm our churches, we have to be willing, as God's people, to protect one another from that, to protect each other from that. And we should be willing to protect uh, not just our churches, but our families as well. I think about today how many families go out of their way to protect their children and their young uh, teenagers from things. Uh, You know, we have a lot of safety measures that we put in place. When I was uh, a teenager, the safety measure was the curfew. Right, and many of you know that. That was the safety measure is you be home by 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock, before dark, whatever. That was the safety measure. Well, these days, the safety measures are even more technological uh, because of the, the smartphone and all that. I know some of you all have apps on your phone like uh, Life360 that track your whole family and show you where everybody is and what they've been up to all day and those kind of things. And, and listen, that's there to, for their protection, right? We put things in place like uh, internet filters for our kids, for our teenagers to protect them. We, we put other protections in place like we want to make sure our schools are teaching uh, against drug use and all of those kind of things. Why? Because these kind of things would be harmful. And listen, you can ask any Christian family and they would tell you 
that if something's harmful, I want to put a measure in place to protect my kids, to protect my loved ones, to make sure that they don't go down that road. Listen, more than any of these things that I've mentioned, we should want to protect our kids, our loved ones, one another, spiritually from these false teachings that could creep into our families and in our churches. We have to be on guard for these things. Jesus in Matthew 10, 28 puts it this way. He says, don't fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So Jesus says, listen, compared to everything else in this world that you're worried about, you should be more worried about, more concerned about the things that could send your loved ones to hell. And unfortunately, these days, I think that we care more about the physical things, the material things, the world type of things than we do about the spiritual. We need godly men and women who are willing to stand up and be protectors of the faith in this culture that we're living in. So here's the question. How do we protect our loved ones from false teachings? How do we protect ourselves from false teachings? We're going to go more into that question next week as well. But one of the things that we have to understand is the type of battle that we are facing. Look at verse 3. He says, For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. And he goes on to say, we demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. And so how do we protect our churches and families from false teachings? I think first, we have to be familiar with God's word, but we have to, be, we have to also realize what type of battle we're facing here. This isn't just a battle between people. You know, if you have somebody bringing in false teaching and, and you're trying to protect uh, your family, your church, from it's not just you versus that individual. We have to understand this is a spiritual battle that we're facing. You understand that, right? Like anything that opposes Christ, there's a reason that a person or a group of people opposes Christ and it's because there is a spiritual battle going on. We were talking about this a little bit in my Sunday school class last week. And I mentioned how amazing it would be. I, I've always thought it would be cool to have a pair of glasses to see all of the wireless signals in our world. You know, you think about Wi-Fi and radio signals and satellites and all of those things. How amazing that would be to be able to see, like, the spectrum of those signals. And just from all of our cell phones in our pockets right here in this room, what that would be like. Well, imagine if you had a pair of glasses to put on where you could see all of the spiritual battles taking place. Man, I, I think it would really open our eyes to realize how spiritual everything is, that it's not just us versus them as far as people with different ideologies. We're talking about a spiritual battle taking place, and because of that, we have to make sure we have the right weapons for warfare. So what weapons do we have to stand against false teachings? You know, if it's a spiritual battle that we're going to fight, we can't just fight it with mental weapons. 
We can't just try to outsmart somebody. We can't just try to, to be out-educated or, or be outnumbered. We have to make sure if we're going to fight a spiritual battle that we have the right resources because the right resources are important if you're going to fight the battle. Now, this past week, um, there was a time that I was out on the, the deck. We had some pretty nice weather this past week. But as I was out on the deck, I noticed that the carpenter bees were really back to work. I don't know if any of you all have noticed that at your homes, but they were really back to work at my house and creating some new holes that they hadn't made before. And in particular, I saw one uh, just chewing away inside of a piece of wood, and I thought, I'm going to get rid of this carpenter bee. So I was, I was going to find some type of, I thought we had bee spray around the house. So I was going to find some bee spray and spray it in the hole to try to lure off any other bees. And I started looking, and I found some WD-40. I found, uh, what else did I find? I, I found some engine starter fluid. Uh, I found, um, you know, just an, I found some spray paint, uh, a number of things, but I did not find anything for bees. And so in looking at that, I had several options, but I knew that my options, none of them were good because I had the wrong resources. I had the, you know, I didn't have the right things there to fight that battle that I wanted to fight. Listen, if we're going to stand up for our faith, we have to make sure that we are prepared with the right weapons, the right resources. Now, in this particular passage, what you may have noticed in verse 3, where he says, although we live in the flesh, we don't wage war according to the flesh, it sounds very familiar to a passage that many of us know in Ephesians 6. And I want you to put your finger there and turn to Ephesians 6 just for a moment. We're going to come back to 2 Corinthians, but I want you to look at Ephesians 6. Just should be a few pages ahead in your Bible. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. And in this, Paul is a little bit more exhaustive and not only this battle, but particularly the weapons we have to fight a spiritual battle and the defenses we have to fight a spiritual battle. Again, this isn't a physical battle. This isn't a, an us versus them battle. This is a spiritual battle, spiritual warfare going on when you think about false teachings uh, and what they can do to your family, to your church, to your community. Look at verse 10 of Ephesians 6. He writes, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason... And again, he's saying here, because our battle is not physical, because it's spiritual, for this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist. You think about how important truth is when you're dealing with false teaching, to know the truth, to hold on to the truth. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. We have to understand 
and know and be committed to the gospel and taking it everywhere we go because the gospel is the answer to all of this. He goes on to say, in every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. And so what is he telling the Ephesians here and what can be related back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10? Well, I think specifically, and of course we can go into great detail, a whole probably sermon series on the armor of God. But simply put, the only way that we can be protectors of the faith, the only way that we can fight a spiritual battle like this is to be close to the Lord, to know His Word, be committed to it, and to be in a lifestyle and a habit of prayer. We have to do all of these things in our lives. These are what the weapons are uh, with our spiritual battles. It's being close to the Lord, His Word, knowing the gospel, and having that relationship with Him. And so this morning, as you consider these weapons or resources, when it comes to your walk with the Lord, if these are the weapons or resources you have to protect yourself, to protect your loved ones from false teachings, are you able to actually protect anyone? Step back and think about it. If what you have is your relationship with God, the truth of God's Word, prayer, if those are the weapons, if those are the resources, are you prepared to protect anyone? How is your relationship with God this morning? How is your prayer life? How is your time and knowledge of His Word? If you feel like this morning that you're not prepared, then my role this morning, like that credit card company warned me of scammers, my role this morning as I'm pointing to God's Word is that God's word is warning you today that you have to be prepared to protect yourself, your loved ones, your church family from false teachings because our culture is plagued with it. And it's not a matter of if, but when these things will start creeping into your life and in your family's life, and we have to be ready for it. As you think about this call you know, obviously I said Paul was super passionate about this. Paul wanted, above all else, to make sure that people he ministered to were following the Lord and knew the gospel. So why are we called to do this? Like, why was he so passionate about it? Was it to make friends? Was it to get applause from people? Like, if you think about how, what Paul's experience was, he didn't make a lot of friends, like this. And if you think about what our experience with it today, when you stand for truth in today's climate, in today's culture, it's not going to get you a lot of applause. In fact, it might get you the opposite. You might be hated more, persecuted more, and if you look to what Jesus says, that's pretty much what the only thing we're promised, right, in following Jesus. He said they hated me, so they're going to hate you. When we stand for God's word, it's not going to win us a lot of friends. It's not going to make us look good or make people uh, think that we're amazing. But I want to show you what the commendation is 
the commendation of protectors of the faith. And we shouldn't expect it, and I want to tell you straight up front, we shouldn't expect the commendation from others. Paul wasn't receiving commendation from the false teachers at this church. They weren't saying, oh man, you're, you're so wonderful, Paul. Thanks for pointing out our errors. He wasn't receiving com- commendation for that. He wasn't receiving commendation from uh, the others in the church who were opposing him or, or preferred the false teachers. But then again, he wasn't worried about that. I want you to look at verse 17. Look at what he says. 2 Corinthians 10, 17. So let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Verse 18. For it is not the one commending himself who is approved, but the one the Lord commends. In other words, it doesn't matter how much I try to commend myself to you or you try to commend yourself to me or how much we try to commend ourselves to other people or anything like that. The only thing that matters at the end of the day is if the Lord is approving of us. That's all that matters. And at the end of the day, when it comes to standing against false teachings and standing up for truth and following truth, it's not going to win you the applause of the world, but at the end of the day, there's only one person that it even matters that we receive applause from. And that person is the Lord. And so as you're thinking about your relationship with him, Are you prepared to stand for what is right? We live in a world today that there's a great need for protectors of the faith, and we have weapons available to us to stand and and fight the spiritual battle, and God has said in his word that he will commend us for taking a stand for truth. Are you prepared to do that? The only way we can even begin to to understand or to, to stand for truth is to understand the truth. And there may be some of you here this morning who came into this place who, who felt like, you know, really all truth is God's truth and, and really it, it doesn't matter what we believe. Listen, the Bible says plainly and clearly that apart from Christ, we are dead in our sins and we are headed straight from he- for hell. And the good news of Jesus, the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word is that God loved you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, fully God, yet fully man, to live a sinless life here on earth, to be the righteousness that we could never be for ourselves because we sin. He never sinned, yet he took our sin upon himself. And the Bible says that when he died on the cross, he died for you to pay your punishment for sin. He was placed in a tomb, and three days later, miraculously, amazingly, Jesus came back to life. And the reason he came back to life is to defeat death, sin, and the grave, and everything that would hold us back and hold us down and and everything that kills us because of our sin, he defeated it. The Bible says 40 days later he ascended to heaven, and one day he's returning again. But until then, every single one of us have a responsibility, a decision to make that's placed on us. I want you to hear me clearly. Just because Jesus died on the cross and came back to life does not mean that everybody now automatically gets to go to heaven. Jesus says clearly that we must believe and trust in him for salvation. The Bible says when we repent, 
turn our lives over to him, declare him as Lord of our lives, and believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, we can be saved. And this morning, if you came in understanding something else or believing something else, this is the truth. And you have to know it, you have to believe it, you have to stand on it. This morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you have an opportunity to receive eternal life and the promise of heaven and a restored life, a new life, uh, as God's Word puts it. In just a few moments, we'll be singing, and I'll be down front. If you want to make a, a decision or talk more, let me encourage you to come down front. And if you prefer, I can talk to you after church. But listen, don't leave here without knowing that you are saved, and if you died, if something were to happen to you today, that you would go to heaven. That's what Jesus came for, and that's what the gospel is all about. We have to understand this gospel. We have to stand for the gospel. And as believers, once we understand what is right, listen to me, once we understand what's right, we have to commit ourselves to protecting others in our care and others around us from being misled by false teaching. As a child, uh, there were nights that I would wake up and, and be fearful um, for, you know, I, I would imagine and think about what would happen if someone would break into our house. And I was fearful for these bad guys, as I would call them, breaking in, and I would think about uh, scenarios of what I would have to do if somebody broke in. And I had plans in place. And no, my plans were not like home alone. I wish they were. Uh, I wasn't that smart or that brave even. My plan as a kid was, if somebody broke in, it involved going to hide behind my parents' bed because I knew they were there. Well, as a kid, you grow up thinking, okay, if something happened, I'm going to hide behind my parents' bed or hide in their closet or whatever. But then as an adult, you become that parent. And you have to think through and have a plan for what you would do. And if you've got kids in your house, they're probably planning on hiding behind your bed. And you become the adult. You become the protector. Why? Because you're older. You're more mature. You've been there. And, and you have other ones in your care. Listen, I think the same is true when it comes to spiritual protection. We're called, especially as we mature in the faith, to protect not just ourselves, but those around us, those in our care our children, our grandchildren, our church members. Protect them from what could actually do the most damage. Harmful, misleadings, spiritually. And so if it came down to spiritually protecting someone you love, are you prepared? Pastors and deacons in our church, we're called to protect this church. Sunday school leaders, you need to protect those you teach. Church members, we have to protect one another. Spouses, you need to protect one another from false teachings. Parents, you're called to protect your children from false teachings. And listen, they're all around in, in school systems and colleges, everywhere. Parents, you're called to protect your children from false teachings. Look to another one of Paul's writings in 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verse 20 and 21. He was writing to Timothy, who was a young pastor. 
And the charge that Paul gave him is what I want to leave you with this morning. He says, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding irreverent and empty speech and contradictions from what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some people have departed from the faith. Listen, Satan wants nothing more than to undermine what God is doing in our church, in our families, and in our own personal lives. And so every single one of us, let's be prepared and let's stand against him together and stand for the truth of God's word as protectors of the faith. Father, we thank you that we can know your word. We thank you that you've given us your spirit to be able to lead us and guide us. And Lord, as we think about our culture in this day and time, Lord, I know there are false teachings all around us that have inundated our culture, but also the church. Lord, help us to be able to detect these things. Help us to be so close to you that when something is off from your word, we know. And Lord, help us to not only know it, but to be willing to take a stand, even if the only one who applauds is you, because we know that's all that matters. Lord, for each of our hearts today, maybe we've bought into lies that aren't true and we need to come back to you today. Maybe we've been guilty of just letting our kids or our grandkids or family members or loved ones just go on about their way when we know the truth and we need to say something. Lord, maybe we've been involved in things we know we shouldn't be involved in and we need to come back to your word today. Whatever that situation is in our lives, I pray that through your spirit you would move us to make the decision that you want us to make today that's in accordance and in agreement with your word. Lord, for that person who may be here or watching online or listening by radio today who doesn't know Jesus, I pray that today they would know the truth and the truth would set them free and we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and that no one comes to the Father except through him. We pray that every single one of us would stand on that today. In Jesus' name, amen.